Whoa. This is like a TV show. A set time, block down in your schedule to see friends, commit to your bike, commit to your physical and mental health, and ride. We're back by <laughs> Here's to the weekly group ride and finding your people on the bike. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. My name is John Zimmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm honored to serve as your host each week on this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Today is Friday, November 5th, 2021, and this is episode number 99. And I'm super excited and honored to finally have Arlie Greenwald, aka Bike Shop Girl, on the pod. We've been talking about this for a while, but she's been a bit busy over the past year or so with a move across the country, an awesome new job with Turn Bicycles, raising a family, all while continuing to create a ton of high quality content of her own, all of which we'll talk about in some detail in just a moment. But before we roll into all of that, please allow me a brief moment to say that this episode is once again being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. Thank you so much, folks. I seriously couldn't do this without your support. To make a donation, just head over to my website at activetowns.org and navigate to the donation page. And please know any amount helps a great deal. It's also worth mentioning that there are a few other ways that you can help support my efforts. The first, if you're listening to this episode, is to simply subscribe to the audio podcast on your preferred platform. The second is to subscribe to the Active Towns YouTube channel. Just be sure to click on the bell next to the subscribe button so that you'll get an alert when I post a new video. And finally, please help me to spread the word about the Active Towns initiative and my content by sharing it with anyone who you think might benefit from it. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for whatever support you're able to provide as I strive to grow this movement to create a culture of activity for all ages and abilities. Okay, let's get rolling with my conversation with the bike shop girl, Arlie Greenwald. Well, hey, this is John with the Active Towns Initiative, and I am so delighted to have a good friend online here with me, joining me on the Active Towns podcast, Arlie Greenwald. Welcome. Oh, I'm so excited to finally be here. I think three years ago, you walked into my bike shop and were like, we should record a podcast sometime. And you've been a huge part of all the changes that I've had in my life. And so I'm glad to feel like I'm finally settled enough you have this conversation with you. Yeah, I, I, I totally remember that day. And if I also remember that day, it was way before I even dreamt of doing my own podcast because I was at the time traveling all over the country, all over the world, filming and doing video work and you know trying to basically put stuff in the can for a, a future documentary that is really unknown what the status on that is, whether I can get back to traveling and get back to that life. But in the interim, the pandemic project that came up was me doing a podcast <laughs> and it's been a hoot. And they're so fun to watch. I, if for some reason you found this because you're a follower of mine, I will also personally put my favorite episodes on my website because you've done such a great job of like hitting a great spectrum of people and conversations. And I realize that's just you. You're plugged into so many different aspects of active transportation and biking and tourism and things. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, it's a, it's basically a mutual adoration <laughs> fest here. That's for, for darn sure. But let's do this. Let's take a pause for a moment and figure out who Arlie is and who Bike Shop Girl is. So why don't you walk us through that, that story Real quickly, because I think as we talk uh, throughout the, the episode today, in different aspects of it, I'll do it. But just a thumbnail sketch of who you are and, uh, and where you are and how you got there. Yeah, I'll hit inflection points. So I started Bike Shop Girl 11, 12 years ago. 
when I worked in a bike shop, I was managing a couple of stores and I was the token woman, you know, and I was the token woman on all of Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was well known because I was a female in bike shops and raced and was pretty active in advocacy. And whenever women in the area had questions, they would seek me out. And I realized at that time I was a blogger. I was running a website called Commute by Bike on the side. And I just started answering the questions that women would ask me in the store or locally online. So I started Bike Shop Girl because I just felt like there wasn't a safe place for women if they didn't have another woman when they walked into a bike shop to ask those questions to. So it was everything from don't wear underwear under your cycling shorts to showing people how I commuted by bike because I didn't own a car. And that kind of just spun. And it was fun for me because my background is marketing and advertising. So I was able to build a brand as a side hustle. And then that actually got me a job in an advertising agency. And that took me a little, I would say, I spent a few years going between ad agencies and brand side. And then we moved to Colorado in 2013, started having kids, fell in love with cargo biking because cargo bikes allowed me to still be a cyclist, but bring my kids along because I hate driving. And two, three years after having kids and falling in love with cargo bikes, realizing that there really wasn't anywhere to send folks locally. And I really wanted a family bike shop where I could send my female friends, but also just felt different than any bike shop I had been a part of where the focus was more on the story and the experience of where your bikes take you and less about the tech and the tool of a bike and the watts and the performance. And most cargo bike owners, they don't care what weight their bike is. They care about how many kids it can hold, you know, the stopping power of the brakes, how easy it is to shift, and if they're going to be safe and enjoy the ride. And so I opened up a cargo bike shop and really was loving it. And that's when I saw John last. COVID happened and realized that we have all of the kids and the family um, in Colorado and all of our families on the East Coast. So ultimately closed down the shop to move back to the East Coast. So I live in Durham, North Carolina now. And in that process of closing down, I was able to set my friend up to take over the lease and the space. And he picked up and opened his own cargo bike shop in the same space. So it felt good that I was passing that along. And I reached out to some of my um, favorite friends within my favorite bike brand, which is Turn, and was offered a job. <laughs> that was about a year ago at this point. And I've just really enjoyed the process of taking what I did every day in a bike shop and applying that to a bike brand, to dealers across North America and globally, and giving resources to dealers and consumers that I had wished I had when I managed a bike shop or owned a bike shop. And when I owned or was trying to purchase a cargo bike, what questions I had. So now I feel like I need to like lay down on a couch to talk through this, but now most of my work is focused on turn bicycles and then bike shop girls really evolved back into just me and not a bike shop and not truly a brand a faceless brand it, it's really just me now and and moving into this idea of active living and being a, a well-rounded person but focusing on health and wellness but much like active towns focusing on how do i get people out of cars but maybe it's not just a bike and trying to fit this whole idea of like storytelling and solving problems that people don't realize that they have. You know, if it's sitting in the commuting line for pickup and drop off. I just did a video of I biked to my local trailhead where I was running and some people were like, oh, I could totally do that. And so trying to open up my lens, if you're a photographer, opening up my lens a little bit more to capture more people outside of just folks Googling for cargo bike and e-bike tech and getting them aware of 
what is out there and opportunities that e-bikes and cargo bikes and bikes for transportation could offer them. Yeah. Good. That is such good stuff. <laughs> it's a lot, right? You and I text a lot and it's an interesting macro view. Mm-hmm. You covered a lot of ground there and I'm glad you did because we'll go back and, and look a little bit more uh, deeply at a, a couple of different aspects of what you brought up. Whenever we do just like a, an overview like that, we, we kind of skip over some of the detail. And so I'm going to fill in just a little bit of detail on one aspect of your story there. And that was the, the bike shop. The bike shop was not just a cargo bike shop. I mean, this was really an amazing activity asset for an entire community. And I, I think part of the tagline of the name of the bike shop was family cyclery or something along those lines. So it was very much a place. It was a solutions place. It wasn't just a place to like hawk stuff, you know, sell bikes and cool bikes, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but you were all about empowerment and solutions and helping people get, you know, the right tool for their situation. Talk a little bit about that because that's a little bit of who you are and your brand. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of the reasons I love Turn is because I didn't have to change my personal mission, which is just to get more people on bikes. And, and I think too often we get stuck in this idea that it has to be the way that we do it, where if you're an everyday cyclist and you don't own a car, everybody that does it differently is wrong. And I think that just comes from a sense of like empathy, but also just being a lifelong cyclist and really focusing on the end user experience. So my background in marketing is user experience design and, and asking a lot of questions and creating solutions. And to me, the bike shop was just that, but pulling in all of my passions of marketing, content creation, community advocacy, in creating a community that I wanted my kids to grow up in that was different than anything available in the United States, especially in Colorado. And so asking a lot of questions, a good salesperson should just be, it's like your first date. That's how anytime I've trained sales staff, they should be talking the most and you should just be asking questions and figuring out why somebody came in or where they were in their process and helping them solve their problems by asking them the questions. So they're leading themselves into whatever their result is going to be, but also in marketing and content creation, dripping different ideas, right? Where these are the ways that you could use your bike, you know, doesn't mean it's the right solution for you now, but maybe you'll share it with your friend because it's the right solution for them. Or when you go to Costco the next time, you're really excited to try to do it by bike because it looked like fun or it looked like a challenge. And so I think that is one place bike industry marketing has really dropped the ball, which is we're not selling a story. We're always trying to sell like the destination that's epic or the journey that's epic, instead of really taking a step back and looking at automotive marketing, which is like when you're looking at automotive marketing for a minivan, they're showing you somebody with their hands full with groceries and you wave your foot under it and the minivan tailgate opens or why the sliding doors are cool because you're not hitting the doors uh, next to you. And, and I think we need to be more solutions-based of how to get people to ride their bike more often, right? And overcome those barriers by asking people a lot of questions to figure out what those barriers are. And it brings up uh, something that, that we talked about before we hit the record button, which is a little bit of your personal journey that, that has been happening. And you alluded to it a little bit in your intro. There's been a bit of an evolution of kind of the mindset. And, and, and that makes sense. I mean, a lot of things have changed. I mean, you're much more focused on raising the family and many other things are happening. But your old tagline was bike more, worry less. And now it's move for tomorrow. Talk a little bit about that evolution. Yeah, one of the things I realized probably in the last three to four months, it definitely, it was like this interesting self-brand 
I don't want to say like it crumbled around me, but I went from owning a bike shop that was 100% me to working for a bike brand and putting a lot of content and energy out that is really with the hat of a bike brand. And I would say 70% of what I was doing for Bike Shop Girl is now done for turn, you know, helping customers, making content. Then there's this 30% that's just me, right? Like that's sharing photos of my new cats, you know, or or helping my neighbors figure out how to get around Durham, where I live now. And there's also the mom piece of me, which is really focused on climate change and being as sustainable as possible, but making it relatable. And so I'm hoping that I can take what worked at the bike shop and what's worked as a bike marketer for a while, which is those things I just listed, which is like addressing barriers, making it relatable, telling stories, but also dribbling along these examples to be sustainable, to focus on health and wellness, and to get more people aware that biking is an option, but not leading all the time that biking is the most important thing in my life. And depending the audience, depending on maybe the video I'm creating, maybe I do talk about bike more, worry less. Or, you know, if you visit Bike Shop Girl, you can see that the tagline, which was the tag, like my mission for the bike shop, which was empowering daily life by bike. I think that is a 1% niche right now. And me as a person, I want to move that needle to that move for tomorrow, which is my health and wellness, which is sustainability and a lot of those things. So like, you know, empowering daily life by bike is like removing those barriers that I did at the bike shop. The idea of move for tomorrow is just my personal mantra so that I get up and do that run that I didn't really want to do because it's going to make me healthier and happier and more patient with my family or better for my work meeting that I have in the middle of the night. And I think the bike world right now, we don't have enough of those champions that are higher up in the macro sense. Phil, (laughs) cookie eating Phil, he's been doing a lot of e-bike awareness. So pro cyclist, he's known for handing out cookies on the top of pro cycling hill climbs. He's been riding an e-bike and he's been promoting the heck out of it and it's wonderful. And so what I want to see is just more awareness around this space that like e-bikes aren't cheating. They're just car replacements. And how can we as influencers, as much as I hate that word, talk about it a little bit more in a a well-rounded way? You know, that it's, it's not, I love the war against cars, right? But you're going to listen to that because you are an advocate. And what I want to do is brainwash people further up the funnel (laughs) so they find war on cars and think it's hilarious, you know, versus I think right now there's a lot of us versus them. My hope is with COVID and the pandemic really hitting cycling hard where everyone fell in love with their bike again, that we can keep those people rolling. And I think to do that, it can't always be spandex. It can't always be epic adventures. It needs to be focusing on that idea of you're moving because whatever drove you to that point, maybe it was for your health, maybe it was for time with your family, maybe it was you wanted to lose weight, maybe it was just you need to get out of the house because you work from home, whatever it might be, focusing on those points a little bit more and less the Strava segments or the bike advocacy that's just so extreme. I am very fortunate. So my going back to the bike shop, uh, my ultimate goal was to get my wife biking to work more often. And I had like three or four people in my life that I was like, if, if I can build a bike shop and my target personas were these people, I'm going to be successful. And so my wife is still my target persona. Thankfully, I work with work literally. She's like over there every day so I can bounce ideas off of her. But she's an athlete. She is a mom, though, with a crazy schedule. So how can I get her to think about being more sustainable, 
getting on her bike more often, you know, not driving to the gym in her electric car, all of those things, because it's more than just the pollution, right? It's like traffic, it's her own mental health, her own physical health. But sometimes you can't lead with those points. You know this, right? right. Like yeah. when we're talking about bike lanes, we can't talk about bicycle safety. We need to talk about what it does to the economic benefits of it or the safety of other people on that street. If you lead with bikes, everyone's going to turn their mind off to you and stop listening. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what I love about this experience that that you have so publicly gone through with us is that you you kind of shared your journey as you went. And that's not for everybody. Not not everybody is willing to do that. But the fact that you had been out there, you know, in the public eye as as long as you had, you know, from the time of starting out doing a lot of blogging and then becoming a, like you said, getting into the advertising world and really understanding things at that level, which is important to understand. And then being that public persona of being a neighborhood bike shop owner and being that resource for so many people and really empowering, especially parents, many parents, the ability to be able to do their daily needs with the kids with a bike. Who knew? <laughs> you know, absolutely uh, amazing. But the the fact that you, you know, kind of shared, opened up and shared with us all, those of us who follow you, it, it's been wonderful because we can kind of see that transformation and you get to that last post that you had there and you really just kind of laid it out and said, you know, hey, this is <laughs> this is the journey I've been on. This is where I'm at. And I look back and like you said, we've had many texts and many phone calls back and forth over the years. And I'm, I'm just going to, I'm looking down at my notes here and, and I've got, okay, so we've got the persona who is bike shop girl, Ollie Green, you know, Arlie Greenwald as well. Then we've got spouse and we've got parent, then we've got turn now. And yeah. the thing that pops up into my mind Especially when I look at that persona of a content creator, we're talking Twitter, we're talking Instagram, we're talking Facebook, we're talking YouTube. Am I forgetting any? Oh, yeah. The website. Yeah. Life balance. You know, it's a, it's yep. really hard to keep all those things in the air. And so more power to you for, <laughs> you know, like identifying that, yeah. take a deep breath, uh, <laughs> Maybe even go for a run, and I know you're not really a runner. I'm trying to be. Yeah, yeah you're. You're, and yeah. and we can talk a little bit about why you would even try to. But that's what's been so great about this experience is to see your journey and the fact that you're just kind of putting it out there and, and being super super humble about it too, and, and saying you know hey, <laughs> I'm figuring this out as as I go along. And especially on Twitter, you do this all the time. You, you send out questions to everybody. Mm -hmm. For oh, instance, so we're, we're, we're trying to figure out your, the names of what your cats right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? I think, one, there's the power of community, mm -hmm. right? And it was a really interesting thing. And, and I think you were probably one of the people I leaned on a lot last July, where I was like, I think I'm closing my bike shop. Here are my options. And I had this amazing offer from Turn, but the, if it was any other brand, and I, I say this and I really mean it, if it was any other brand, I probably wouldn't have taken that position. And mm -hmm. I say that because I didn't have to change who I am. Right. And even to the point now, like I make videos sometimes when I should be working because personal videos, because my personal brand gives validation to Turn. Right. You know, like, and continuing to be that person online or replying to emails of people that found my email address and are asking for bike suggestions. Every few videos that I make are about bikes that like Turn makes. Yeah. <laughs> and that one was like, you know, I'm getting a lot of the same questions and I'm always telling them what I do versus what others do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... Right. For me, it's this balancing act of I have to be myself, but I'm making content for Turn. You know, so if you go to like Turn's YouTube channel, like 
I'm now like the face of turn, but I, I can't lose myself in that. And I can't turn off my personal life or personal channels, I should say, because if anything, it brings validation to the turn brand, but it also allows me to try things out, right? Like you'll know that I'm working on content for turn because three or four videos will come out from bike shop girl, because I'm trying to dial in lighting or a new microphone or a new storyline. And I can do that without judgment on my own channels and push it out. You know, like I was trying to figure out how this backdrop color looked and, mm -hmm. um, I'm now shooting in my garage, which is really echoey. <laughs> so I was like trying to dial in all of that, but it's much easier to do it on my own platform and get feedback than put it out on a global brand. And so it's fun to have my own like sandbox of testing and it only helps the brand. And what's really nice is they appreciate and value that. Anything that I post, I still push through our team to make sure I didn't say or do anything I shouldn't. Right. But, you know, it's very rare that they have any harsh feedback. It might be like, you misspelled this or you installed the accessory wrong, <laughs> you know. But I think making sure I don't lose my voice in all this is so important because, to your point, like I'm a mom that lives this life and you connect to that a lot more than you connect just to a bird or a brand. And, and I love Turn, and I, I think we have some of the best customer service in the industry, but we're still a, a bike brand. And right. so we're working on, probably by the time this publishes, I'm starting, I'm using air quotes if you can't see me, I'm starting to travel to do more profiles of our shops and riders because to me, this is a really important point, which is who are the people that ride our bikes and how do they use them in their daily life? And it's okay if they don't use them to replace a car. I think that's something going back to that idea of meeting people where they are. You know, I have some really dear friends. They were our first turn profile on YouTube and she bought a set of Vectrons, my last bikes I sold from the bike shop, mm -hmm. and she retired. And they're gonna be using these folding electric bikes around their town to hopefully replace car trips, but also bike tour and just get out and enjoy life. And I think that's so important for all of us that are bike advocates to remember that the tourism and adventure side of biking really grab people and pull them in, you know, when they, are a tourist in a new place, they're more willing to try new things. You mm -hmm. know, if it's a bike trip or if it's an e-bike or whatever. You know, my dad tried an e-bike in California a couple of years ago. There's no way I would have ever gotten him on an e-bike. Right, but it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was what the winery or the vineyard had. And so he tried and he was like, this is so cool. Yeah. You know, but if I would have been like, hey, dad, you try this, <laughs> he would have been offended. But that's a good, that's such a good point. Because if we're on vacation, if we're traveling, you just naturally have a little bit more openness uh, to try new things. And that's uh, honestly, that's one of the great things about traveling is, is you can, you know, ha you know, sort of wipe your brain clean of some of its biases and, and be able to say, Oh yeah, I'm a little bit of a sense of adventure here. I'll try that e-bike. And then suddenly, Oh, this is a kick in the pants. I really like this, you know, or just being able to have that approach of, you know, I'm traveling and, oh, what was so great was w that we were able to walk and bike everywhere. We didn't have to drive everywhere. And then suddenly it's that making that connection back home. I want to press play on this just a little bit so we can get a sense as to, to mm. what we're doing. As, as the audio I, sucks. Okay. So as we do this, <laughs> I'll even turn the audio down and, and you can just kind of walk us through, give us a little uh, play by play of not only what you're doing, but, but the intent behind why you produce this type of video. Mm. Yeah. So the turn GSD is a two kid cargo bike. And I say two kids, so we make a couple different cargo bikes and I receive so many questions of like this first, that we make so many accessories. And so I'm just showing people like, this is the bike that's in my garage for my family to use all the time and how I use it. And these are by far my most successful videos are showing people my 
favorite accessories and how I use them. Right. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> I guess it makes sense though. Yeah. I mean, reviews and keywords of that sort, but mm -hmm. also like the reason I want to travel more and show other people is because if you look like me or you have a life like me, I'm going to trust your review a lot more mm -hmm. than, right. you know, like, oh, you've never had kids. I don't, you have no idea <laughs> what it's like to get two kids on a bike right. out the door yeah, or in, yeah. or in a car. Honestly, it's harder to get them in the car than on the bike. Right. And you don't believe that until you hear it from another parent. Right. Exactly. So uh, the, the next yeah. video I want to queue up here is, is going to be of, of your video that is talking about what you were, you were alluding to it earlier in a couple of different ways, but one of it is, is like really helping encourage lifestyle behavior change and things of that nature. And, and so what's, what this is, is the bike to run. And mm -hmm. being able to re replacing some of those everyday short car trips. And I think this is fun because as we mentioned earlier, you're not really a runner. So I'll press play on the video and you can yes. give us a little the bit more. Uh, is yet. Uh, uh, yes, yet. Uh, but give us a little background on, on what's going on here and why you're becoming a runner. I moved to Durham this summer and I've been doing bike rides around Durham and, and documenting those. Mm -hmm. But... The goal of this was to help people think of a destination. And this is going to be an ongoing series, which is like bike to ice cream, bike to coffee, whatever. I live about two and a half miles from my favorite off-road running trail. Uh, and I always drive it. And I was like, you know what? It, one day I looked at the map and I was like, it's safe to bike there. Right. It's mostly through my neighborhood and then a gravel road. I feel fine. and. My goal of this was just to show people, especially with an e-bike, but with any bike, two and a half miles is a great warm up for a run. If you have a good place to lock up, you know, so I did, I did drive it the first time. Mm -hmm. And then the ultimate goal of this was just to show folks like I'm wearing what I would wear running. I stored my helmet. I locked up the bike, did my run, and then I cooled off on the way home. And it was such an easy thing that you and I probably take for granted. Right. Right. But I've had several people reach out like, oh, I'm totally doing this or I did it or whatever. But right, like, why wouldn't you want this life instead of sitting behind a windshield? And I think to me, especially now that I live in Durham, which is not nearly as bike friendly as Denver, where I could have, you know, I was car free we had one car as a family here we have two cars because i have to drive to get my kids from school but trying to replace those other trips when i can you know was it cliff bar that had the three mile challenge or two miles or less challenge and so what trips can i show folks is easy to do by bike it doesn't have to be stressful because the whole bike to work or bike to drop off your kids is like the highest barrier possible, like showing up to your work with all your stuff, not sweaty. That's like the last thing you should try doing. Right. Yeah. Cause that's just like, <laughs> like I said, it's like a high bar. Let's turn the, the audio on uh, just a little bit oh, and, and get a, get a little sense as to this actually was a good part. You may be asking, Hey Arlie, <laughs> what's up with this running thing? And <laughs> good timing. the mentality that I have for running exactly what I want you to think about when it comes to car trip replacement. And that is the feeling of wonder and adventure. As adults, we stop exploring. We put our GPS on, get to where we're going the fastest way possible. We no longer explore around us. We get our exercise in, we grind it out, we get home, we turn on the TV and we no longer adventure. And that to me is running, right? I suck at running, but it's something new. It's something for me to learn and explore new places like this beautiful trail right by my house. And yes, I suck at it, but it's okay. It's about the journey and not about the actual destination, as cliche as that sounds. 
how can you enjoy everyday life errands and requirements in life by bike or by foot or anything that doesn't include punching in your GPS, getting behind a windshield and cutting off the world around you. You're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so it's, cool. Um, running has been not humbling, but I think as adults, we stop trying things that suck. Right. You know, and I think when I moved to Durham this year, I, I reached back out to my cycling coach and I hadn't worked with him in a couple, three years, four years since we had our second kid. And I wanted to have goals. Like I needed during this transition to have something to really reach for that wasn't work or kid related. And so I started outlining like cycle cross races and things like that. And, you know, at some point in my life, I was really decent at bike racing, but that was before kids. That's when I had like 20 hours a week to train. And I started going after these goals of cyclocross racing and like starting to train. And I realized like I wasn't excited because I knew I would never meet the place I was before. And you might tell yourself like, that's okay, but it, it wasn't a motivating enough goal, right? Even if it was just, you know, I'm training for a 200 mile gravel race. Like I knew that I could do it. And so for running, I don't know if I can complete the things I've signed myself up for. And so I mm -hmm. have to show up every single day for my workouts and trust my coach to get me there. And I think once I like achieve some of those goals, I'll get there. But I know that if you told me next spring, I need to do a 200 mile gravel race, I know probably training two to three times a week, I would be fine. Right. You know, like I'm just going to suffer through it. It'll be fine. Just because I've been a cyclist my whole life and I've done epic things. I used to race 24 hour solo mountain bike rides, right? That's insanity. But doing a half marathon or a 10 mile trail run, I don't know if I can complete it. And that's really exciting for me because it feels like I actually have to put in the work. And as adults, it's there's not many things that you sign up for that you're not sure that you're going to be able to complete. Yeah. You know, Ryan Van Duzer, another content creator, he, he does a lot of adventure stuff. And one of his sub themes is just that, is that what do we do to challenge ourselves, get ourselves out of that comfort zone and some of the lessons that we can learn when we push ourselves and we have that unknown of, I don't know that I can accomplish this. I think it's mm -hmm. important. Yeah. And it's fun to, to draw those parallels to people starting biking, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of the biggest questions I receive is what happens if I get a flat with my kids? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what happens if you get a flat with your kids in your car? Would you pull over and change it? And most people say no. You know, some people say yes, but most people say no, especially if they have their kids. And I tell people, okay, do the same thing as you would with your car. Call mm -hmm. AAA, lock it up, call a spouse, whatever. And the second they realize that their failure isn't as terrible as maybe they were imagining, right? Like my failure of my run will be like, I walk. <laughs> Right. Like, and that's the end of the day, like I'll still hit the, the time cut off and it'll be fine. Right. But making those barriers and going back to that, like sales technique of what are people worried about? What, what can you assure them or provide experiences? You know, maybe their first experience riding with their kids, actually always their first experience riding with their kids should be at your store in a good set up environment where you've helped them, you've coached them, they've test ridden the bike. Don't let them go home and that be the first time they're riding with their kids. But thinking through those barriers, right? What happens if my bike falls over? Your bike shouldn't fall over. Let's make sure you're confident and can ride your bike well enough before you put your kids in. Right. Well, how do I get my kids in the bike? All right, well, let's walk through that. What happens if I get a flat is the biggest one for sure. How do I get around my city? You know, all of these things that are really fear inducing for folks because they're not you and me. They're not active cyclists that have been doing this for so long that figuring out heat maps on Ride with GPS or Google Maps isn't a big deal. It's just how we do it. You know, 
we need to share that knowledge in a very approachable way. And I think that's to me where my work with Bike Shop Girl or my work with Turn to show dealers and our consumers that biking doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You know, you can get a basic bike, a helmet and a lock and be rolling very easily. And I, one reason I love the community of like Twitter specifically, because it's more of a conversation is getting Mm -hmm. that feedback, you know, and it's something, I don't know if you've experienced this as a creator. I am always so surprised how few women watch videos Uh, and it's something that I'm like really 2022 that is my thing you know like right now we're launching a lot of videos on social for turn with captions Mm -hmm. to see if you know in shorter segments so like under three minutes like taking our longer videos trimming it down adding captions and seeing if that changes the demographic but when I post questions on Twitter like hey you know this is something I ask probably every 90 days, like, where do you consume your content? What's your age, sex, and do you have kids? And women in general don't watch videos, at least not in the bike world that follow me. <laughs> and even my, like, you you would think, like, bike shop girl, my Facebook audience is 70% women. Mm. My YouTube audience is like 12% women. Hmm. And so it's one reason that I've started to go back to writing and photos One, it's easier, right? Like if you need me to crank out 8,000 words, I could do that six times in the time that it takes us to produce some of our videos. Right. right. And so one thing that I'm working on, and it's something I did at the bike shop because I didn't have a ton of time. I would produce an article, put it out there with photos, and get feedback, get comments, see how well it was received, and then make the video version. Right. And and that way you can get, you can weed out like, oh, I forgot this. Oh, I should have said it differently. But for SEO reasons, it's going to be much more, it, it hits all audiences. If they really want to read it, they will. If not, they can scan it. But there's so many people that like I'm a video, I love filmmaking, right? And and like from the documentary standpoint, like that's the direction I would love my career. But if it's not where the audience that I want to help is, which is pr- primarily women in the bike industry, right. that's something that I have to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, let's let's pull up another one of your videos that you did do because okay. I have a feeling that this is something that you're alluding to or talking about here because this is about uh thankful for the group ride Mm. and so we'll we'll pull this one up and this one's short so we'll just let it play and i'll I'll turn the the audio up on this one whoa this is like a tv show a set time block down in your schedule to see friends commit to your bike commit to your physical and mental health and ride. As my friend Peter once said, there is a lost art to the group ride. And then you lock it into place. (laughs) Finding the right speed, the right skill, and most importantly, the right personalities. Sometimes you ride fast. Sometimes there are flats. Sometimes you just need to talk and pedal it out. We're back by <laughs> Here's to the weekly group ride and finding your people on the bike. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, what, what has been the response so far, you know, to that video? I think it's going to have a long life to it. it. It's just short. It's less than two minutes. It gets to the point. You don't outwardly come out and say, Hey, this is for women. But Mm. you know, it, it, to me, it's clear as a filmmaker, it's clear that that's in part who you're talking about, but not necessarily. I mean, it, it cuts across all genders and, and it's just, it's about getting people more comfortable 
out there writing. Yeah, as you talk, I'm like opening my YouTube studio. So it it's interesting, like if I make something that's within my niche, like mm-hmm. cargo and e-bikes, it gets a lot of views pretty quickly. A lot of views for a small creator. Right. And then what's great for me, and I'm always looking to make evergreen content. Like I really rarely make something for the moment, <laughs> you know, right, like right. MacBook Air first impressions or something. Yeah. yeah um, right. You know, so like just kind of looking at my stats, it's not a super popular video, right? But this is something that I would, my ride partner is Casey, and I talk to her about it a lot because there are videos that I've done that have so few views compared to others because they haven't been picked up for like various search terms. But that video changed somebody's life. And once you get that hit, like that type of impact where, for example, I've been doing these rides around Durham or that biking to run, those are the ones that have the lowest view count Comments are good, engagement's really good, but it's that video that somebody will email me and say, I started biking to run three times a week and it's changed my life. Or my friend that I talked about retiring, you know, she moved, I assume you know Beth, Beth Nobles. I sure do, yeah. I I kind of knew that that's who you were talking about. Yeah, (laughs) so Beth Nobles, one of my all-time favorite people, she moved from Texas to Denver, Colorado, to be the executive director of my favorite bike path in the area, Sand Creek Greenway. If you follow me, you've seen my love affair of that bike path. And she previewed a really okay video that I did many years ago of that bike path when she was in Texas. And she still to this day talks about being able to see the bike path from Texas and how it it made her interested. And those inflection moments like you like the group ride video i don't think it's going to go viral but that's not my job that's not my role that's i don't want to be an influencer that's going viral i want to be somebody that like you trust and when i'm putting something out like if you watch it and it means something to you you reach out to me you know and and i think those types of videos and and i'm kind of going back because there's been several of them carrying camera gear by bike Again, like not a crazy amount of views. Right now it's sitting at like 2,000. But I've had several people reach out and say like, that that made it so that I'm biking to more of my photography portrait sessions. Right. And it's like, how many car trips is that? That's amazing. And as a creator, that's what you need and not the views. And you mentioned something earlier, which is I've kind of brought people along, <laughs> whether you like it or not. And I think... One that that gains people's trust, right? Like, you know that I'm me. And the other thing, and I'm interested to hear your take as a creator, it's something that I also want to lean into a little bit harder because I want others to make okay content to influence their small social bubble, right? Like, how can I get more people to post their um, bike to school or bike to run or, you know, what... GSD setup they have. And it will probably influence a small circle around them and make them aware of that type of thing. And so that's something that I'm really thinking about it for 2022. Again, going a little bit more macro. So health, fitness, sustainability for Bike Shop Girl, but also leaning into super basic camera gear, right? Like you can do everything you need with a GoPro, (laughs) right? Right. And, um, making that obtainable so that people are inspired to just as we've done with bikes, like hop on to go for a run, like take an Instagram video and share with your family that the reasons you like to ride, Ryan actually posted and I'll, I almost said, I'll put a a link in the show notes, (laughs) (laughs) but Um, I can. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like he, he's been promoting this campaign out of Boulder, I forget exactly what it is, but it's just to drive safely around people, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the more human we can make cyclists and runners and just people active, the better. It doesn't have to be the lycra clad group that took up the whole country road, 
right? Here in North Carolina, actually, a lot of NASCAR drivers lend their faces to cycling because they all bike. And it's like, yeah, you might be biking by Jimmy Johnson or some really professional NASCAR driver. And that's hitting a different demographic. And I think the more we can share on our personal channels about the reasons we bike. Some of my favorite ones are specifically kids that struggle in school and they start biking or walking to school and and how that impacts them. Right. And the the families sharing those stories within their circles and influencing even if it's just those little drips, those drips add up if you continue to do it. Yeah. Let's pull up a a recent uh, Twitter post that you had here. You you tweeted out, and and this is another one of those uh, (laughs) uh, superstars there in the Denver area. I also follow her as well. Mm -hmm. But this is, you know, Amy is one of those individuals in the community that is just out there as a concerned parent trying to make their community a, a little bit safer. And you're you're taking this opportunity to amplify what she's doing and, and how she's trying to partner with the city and county of Denver to make our streets just a little bit safer. Because let's face it, I mean, as content creators and as folks that uh, are, are trying to curate additional content and, and amplify it and get it out there, we're we're not necessarily the ones that are rolling up our sleeves and getting the work done, nor necessarily are we the ones all the time that is just steadfastly working to bring the community along. Talk a little bit about that because it, it's you can only do so much. We talked about <laughs> earlier about life balance. So where do you see your role when it comes to being the Amy's of the world and 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 you know, getting really involved from an advocacy perspective, or do you really see, you know, your niche is, is trying to amplify what they're doing and hopefully inspire other people to, to do that? Good timing. I moved to Durham this summer and like just trying to get an idea of the local and state advocacy. I knew the state advocacy just because I had lived in Charlotte eight years ago and, and know the bigger players. But I didn't know the politics. I didn't know the local scene. And when I was in Denver, I did sit on the board for some time for Bike Denver. And I've realized, specifically when I was owning the shop, because I only had so much time, I I love hosting events and being a community organizer. But that doesn't mean that I should be. You know, so it's one of those questions that really hits home because it's something I'm trying to figure out as I land in Durham, which is maybe I'm just creating better content for them to share, you know, or maybe it's doing these bike around Durham videos that they can share and show to legislation or the city and not being the person at the table. And that's been really interesting because I've always been the person at the table where you know I was on a board or I was the loud person that showed up to city meetings or whatnot. And now I'm realizing that what I do that other people maybe can't to the same degree is to give them the tools to tell the story better. I think of in Denver, there was a bike lane we were fighting for and there was always this disconnect in my head where it was like, and I think you and I had talked about it when you visited, which was like, we were shouting that cyclists need to be safe, but we were never showing what that meant. We never were showing what it did for the stores that were right next to it. And so my take on it was like, let me go out and video it so you can see the like, either this or that. <laughs> and so people can see what visiting their local ice cream or coffee shop could feel like if there weren't cars going 50 miles per hour in front of it or sitting in cars sitting in the parking. And so realizing that I can be an advocate and really help, but not be the person instigating. Or maybe I am the instigator, but then I hand it over. (laughs) Right. Uh, right. You know, and I think your documentary work, it's a great example, which is we only have so much time. And it's something that I think about a lot at turn because I I have a lot of hats where I sit on marketing. So I run North American marketing and PR. 
I sit on our global product team and I create a lot of content for the brand. So I have these like three hats and then helping dealers and, and sales and things like that. But I'm now realizing almost a year in, it's like, okay, well, what do I do that no one else on the team can do? And where can I focus that energy more and more? And that's, you know, again, that content creation and then just being a voice in the industry. So a lot of my advocacy time is spent on people for bikes or national and international efforts. You know, I sit on the subcommittee for people for bikes sustainability and for our DEI. So that's a lot of time. And I'm fortunate that's part of my job. But a lot of advocates, it's their nights and their weekends where they're at local events or community meetings or being that voice, <laughs> the loud voice at community events. And for me, it's like, how can I create those tools so when they go to those events, they can show the story better if it's a photo, if it's a video. And so you really hit that nail where that's, to me, showing them how they can also create that. And, and Denver is a great example where like, I, I did not do this on my own, right? But there was a group of probably 15 of us across the city that we were working on different projects. I was opening a bike shop. There was the Denver Bicycle Lobby, which is the grassroots instigator urban folks. They're really fun to follow. And they're kind of the yin to the yang of the local state advocacy group, which has to be very professional, very upfront. But bringing together a group of people allowed them to feel comfortable to share their voice. And right. so again, it's it's dripping that along, which is like one of my friends, Alan, now rides around with a GoPro on the front of his, his turn GSD and shares that content all the time. And so it's like capturing that story of Alan of, hey, this is how he does it, just so you tactically know it's not hard. And this is the outcome, right? Like he can show off before and after. He can easily document when that car is cutting him off continuously in the same place every morning. Right. And he's getting change happening because he'll post it on Twitter and it will get a lot of ampli amplification. So to your question, yes, I think other than internationally or nationally, like my best place is behind a camera. Right. Yep. Yeah. So to close us out, is there anything that we haven't yet talked about that you want to, to make sure to leave the audience with? Go vote. Go vote. <laughs> is that a I already know one thing that we didn't talk about. You're going to laugh that we didn't talk about it. Uh, what is it? The podcast. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's hibernating until the construction ends. Right. Yeah. I'm actually, I would love to hear, because, so I've had a podcast bike here for a few years, and where I, I don't want to say I struggle, but to me, it's, do I stay niche in this idea of empowering daily life by bike with interviews and stories? Or I do think that podcasting has changed because of the pandemic. I listen to three. <laughs> You're one of them. And it, they're mostly videos. And, you know, just because I now want to see people because I'm not seeing people. Uh -huh. And okay. so that was one of the reasons. And then I currently live in a construction zone, right? literally. Yeah. So I would love to hear from your audience. Going back to that advocacy point, I feel like if I took a step up and it wasn't just bike nerdism or do we need still bike nerdism right like is there no one else talking about city biking in that sense so we should have interviews with international folks that are riding their bike every day and how they came to it or like news for e-bike legislation that's happening in the u.s or you know should we go macro so that we have interviews that you could send to your aunt that should be riding or focusing on fitness or whatever. So I would love to hear what, what outcome. And I would love your opinion, John. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that I have a, a ready answer, you know, for what's the magical mix. I will say mm -hmm. this, though, that it's been really neat to see 
you mentioned this because of the pandemic, there have been a lot of new content that has emerged, including the Active Towns podcast. This will be episode number 99. And so just to think that in two years time, we've produced, you know, 100 uh, episodes. I'm doubling down on trying to get video content out as well. But that's not reliable because not every guest that I bring on has you know strong internet, has the camera set up, and and so you know I I won't just put out a static page and, and put it on YouTube and call that a, a video podcast. So it, I think it it should have something special, something that's engaging visually and interesting, so that people will watch it. And it is interesting to see how different people are consuming different content. And I think it is different audiences. Some people just, they couldn't stand to be seated and watching a video. The only time that they really consume their podcast episodes is audible, you know, audibly and probably on a walk, hopefully, you know, mm -hmm. if I had my preference. And it used to be your yeah. commute, right? Like and it, it used, used to, to be, be your commute. Yeah. 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 Uh, my podcast consumption, like, is probably 5% of what it used to be. I would love to hear, you know, because I think... Mm -hmm. As a content creator, you really have to think about who's your target audience because it's really easy to be pulled along different directions because something did well or something's hot, right? Like the last summer, it was uh, Clubhouse and Twitter had their voice thing, you know, but I didn't want to just sit around and talk. Like that just didn't sound fun to me. Right. And so, <laughs> I tested it out a few times and I was like, this isn't for me, but who are you trying to maybe not influence, but mm -hmm. be a part of their life and where are they? Right. And, and that's what you have to accept as a creator. It doesn't mean it's what you prefer, right. <laughs> you know, right. unless you're trying to be like a YouTube star and then you're going to create whatever you need to create to be a YouTube star. To me, I create because I want people to bike more, worry less, my tagline, but also just to have healthier lives and hopefully change how they look at the life that they're living. And I'm kind of channel agnostic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But you did ask before we hit the record button about the possibility of live broadcasts. And, and that would be an interesting thing to hear, too both for my audience and for your audience, if, if that's something that would resonate with people, because you had talked about it a little bit with Twitter about what you like about Twitter. And that is that it's like a conversation. And so, you know, that adds another dimension of maybe we could have actually broadcast this out as a live uh, podcast episode. And because this platform we're using, Cam we could have had comments streaming down at the bottom and we could have been like saying oh, such and such, you know, Oh, Hey, look, yeah. Beth tuned in. She just heard that we talked about her. And, you know, yeah. and so it takes, it adds another dimension to be completely honest for you and for my audience. I've been a little afraid of going live. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. And is the dimension that. worth the effort, right? And, right. And, yeah. and the thing that I have found with any, unless you go viral, like any, mm -hmm channel or new dimension. So let's say video, right? Like you have to commit to it for so long before mm -hmm. knowing if it's working or not. Right. You know, right. and I think one of my favorite, I've, I followed him for years before I got into running ginger runner. He does like a live video every single week, roughly the same time, but he's been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. So people know to tune in. It's part of their life if they're running, you know, and they like the story, but it takes a long time for people to be willing to change their schedule to show up for what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be continued, <laughs> we'll, yes, both, uh, yes. we'll find out if either one of us decide to pull the trigger on a, a live podcast broadcast and interview mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll see where that goes. And so stay tuned. Audience, it. stay tuned. Yes. That's <laughs> any awesome. final any final thoughts? It's wonderful to see where you're taking this podcast and this platform. John, I don't know. I think Active Towns has always been behind a lot of the wonderful creation and content that you've created for brands or people for bikes or whatever. So I think it's great that folks are realizing 
who you are and, and your knowledge base from that. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, it's I, I, one of the things that we talked about a little bit when you were wondering about what that next step was going to be for you as a content creator, whether that was your name or or continuing Bike Shop Girl. And, and that, by the way, folks, is you know, part of the conversation of that last blog post that you did put mm -hmm. out there. You know, I've struggled with that as well because I've always kind of been anonymous behind the, the Active Towns moniker, but at the same time, I am Active Towns and Active Towns mm -hmm. is me. <laughs> so it's just me. So yeah, I appreciate you, you saying that. And it's been a hoot. It's been a lot of fun to, to get out there and not only produce content, but also engage with amazing people from around the world, yourself included. Oh, thank you. And to your, your point about the naming, I feel like if your end mission for creating is captured by the name Active Towns, it tells people what you're doing. You know, verse, a lot of the folks that rebranded in the last two, three years from whatever they were to their name are content creators first and right. mission second or no mission. Like they're just freelancers and, right. you know, their brand is them creating content for other people without yeah. like a lens of biking or active living. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. No, absolutely. Good point. Well, Arlie, thank you so very much for joining me yeah, on the Active Towns podcast. Thank you everyone podcast. for listening. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode number 99 of the Active Towns podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this chat with Arlie and do hope you will follow her amazing and engaging work out on her channels. To learn more, be sure to check out the links in the show notes and more importantly, on the landing page for this episode at activetowns.org. Well, that's all for this week's episode. But before I let you go, please help me to grow the culture of activity movement by making a donation, spreading the word and subscribing. Thank you all so very much for your support and for tuning in. Until next time, which, by the way, will be our 100th episode and will feature Clarence Eckerson with Street Films. This is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Cheers.